Hey, this is Cooper Smith. I'm one of the student worship pastors at Eastview, and I'm honored to welcome you to our Eastview Students High School podcast. We hope this is encouraging, inspiring, and helpful for you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy the message. This is laid out just like other books in the Bible where there's chapters. Uh, So we're going to be in chapter 27 today. So if you want to just go there, and and we're going to be really simple, um, chapter 27, verse 1. And all this is, is the layout of the way that the altar of burnt offering should be laid out. Um, So it's kind of this this presentation of the way that God feels this altar of burnt offering should be going. So let me read it to you. You guys can follow along if you like, um, or if you're more of an audible person, um, go ahead and just listen to my um, voice. So great, great. Good. Using acacia wood, construct a square altar seven and a half feet wide, seven and a half feet long, and four and a half feet wide. So it kind of gives you, even as I explain there, if you want to look up on the screen, like you can get that idea, seven and a half by seven and a half by four and a half, okay? Just to give you an idea of what that looks like. Make horns for each of its corners so that the horns and the altar are all in one piece. Overlay the altar with bronze. Make ash buckets, shovels, basins, meat forks, Sorry, uh, I don't know how often you see in the Bible where meat forks is in there. Um, just keep going, Matt. Okay, working on. Okay, and then fire plant pans, all of bronze. Make a bronze grating for it and attach four bronze rings at its four corners. Install the grating halfway down the side of the altar under the ledge. For carrying the altar, make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with bronze. Insert the poles to the rings on the two sides of the altar. The altar must be hollow, made of planks. Build it just as you were shown on the mountain. So as you can see, when you walk into the tabernacle, it's the first thing you see. Like as you walk into this place, as you walk in as a place where where God meets us, meets these people, the first thing you see was this altar of burnt offering. That was on purpose. That was on purpose because it was important. Do you have things like when you walk into your house or apartment, like, it, it, like in the doorway, like one of the first things that you see is something that's on purpose? Like I don't know how your house is laid out, um, but when you walk into our house, my, my wife has, has done a job where, where she wants certain things to be seen on purpose for people that walk into the door, okay? Maybe it's a family picture, Maybe it's our dining room table off to the side that she really loves a din- her dining room table. It's great. I guess it's our dining room table because we all eat at it, but really I call it hers because she wanted it. Okay, so anyway, just so you know kind of where my mindset is when we, when we have our dining room table. But there's also family pictures. We have a, a color scheme at our house. I don't know if anybody else goes that deep into the world, uh, but like teal, yellow, and red, like as soon as you enter our house, you see these colors like immediately at you. And it's like one of those things where you don't necessarily realize it unless you're a person that walks into a house or apartment and you're, you're one of those people that immediately like tries to investigate everything around, right? So, so these people walk into a house and think, okay, I can probably tell something about this family that I'm walking into their house or apartment within the first seven seconds that I'm in their house, 
You know, like for so long after the, the winter had left us, and I guess it's coming back on Tuesday, welcome back Illinois, welcome back snow, it's going to be awesome, nope, um, but, but for so long, even after the snow had melt and the ice had melt, I forgot to put away the salt, like the salt bag, and, and I didn't notice it because I don't come in my front door, you know, like I come in the back door, but, but every once in a while, my wife would be like, hey, you want to get that salt bag? Because it looks really, really like tacky when people walk in. I'm like, okay, I'll get it. I'll get it. And then for weeks and upon weeks and upon weeks, it just sat there. I don't know if you're one of those people where you walk into your house and something immediately catches you that matters and is on purpose to help identify the purpose and even the plans for your house. But this is the way the tabernacle was. God put it in this first little location on purpose. There was a set that mattered to him, and, and maybe it was something that was important for him just to see what was he was trying to lay out when it came to the tabernacle. This is something here that the altar was important, and it wasn't just stuffed off to the side. Something to think about today is that the root word for altar is the word sacrifice. It's the verb and the noun, like sacrifice is what this altar was. It wasn't beautifully, it wasn't like a, it was just there. It wasn't like this beautifully photoshopped family picture. Okay, it wasn't teal, yellow, or red paint. Like it was this picture of, of, of blood, this, this, this picture of death, this, this picture that on this altar, as soon as you walked in and saw this, you knew that at this place, this seven and a half by seven and a half by four and a half feet structure, life was taken away. And it was the first thing that you saw. This is probably not something that you're going to see on an episode of Chip and Joanna, you know? Like, it's not something that's going to have little Johnny Swim playing behind it on HGTV. You know, as you walk in, it's like, house hunters, let's walk in and see this. Well, this is the altar. It's a place of death and blood, and life is taken away. Oh, okay, well, I want to buy that house. Um, of course, right now, I'm blooming to normal how fast houses are going. It might actually, uh, might actually sell pretty quick. But, but, like, this was not something that you would think would be something that needed to be the first thing that you saw when you walked into a place. But God saw this place of sacrifice as important. This is where goats were brought for the Passover, as we talked about just recently with the Passover series. It's where bulls and, and calves were brought in order to bring a sacrifice of repentance to the Lord, in order to bring offerings of, of God, I have sinned against you, and here is my sacrifice to you in order of the religious laws set aside for the people of that day. In order for freedom to happen, something had to die. In order for life to be found, something had to die. And that's what this burnt offering altar was made for. We don't have blood now. Right? I mean, we have blood. Like, we have blood in us. We have blood that can come out of us. You know, we, we have that. But we don't have blood sacrifices now like what we had back then. But, but can you think about the blood sacrifices of that time? It was messy. It was messy. Like, like there was nothing clean about the sacrifice offering that was brought to the Lord. That's the same with us now, right? There, there's no blood given by us. Like we're not, we're not offering goats. We're not offering cows. We're not offering ourselves as, as a, a physical sacrifice to the Lord. But it's still messy because repenting and giving up something 
of sin to the Lord, it's not easy. And I think that's one of the things and one of the reasons why we don't do it very often is because something is taken from us, something is offered from us, something is given of us where there's death involved. You're dying to a sin. You're dying of something that you have. You're dying to something that you're sacrificing in order for life to be given to you to the full. As John 10.10 10 says, Jesus says, I came to give life to the full. And the problem is, y'all, is that when we don't have life to the full, then we're just living like, eh, whatever. And so often the reason we don't live life to the fullest is because we've got so much other stuff happening in our lives that's not of Jesus. And because of that, we need to die and sacrifice of ourselves a little bit more. Finding freedom isn't clean. It's not easy. It's messy. As I mentioned last week, that everything that the tabernacle is connects us to Jesus. Everything that it is connects us to Jesus. This is the same. The altar of burnt offerings connects us to Jesus. If you want to write something down today, the author of Hebrews writes in chapter 9, verse 11 through 12, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that I have come. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not a part of the created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats or calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured the redemption forever. It's Jesus. Tabernacle. Jesus. With his own blood. With his own blood, he secured our redemption forever. Think about that. No longer a need for goats, no longer a need for calves, no longer a need for the altar of burnt offering because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for us. Jesus sacrificed himself as the ultimate sacrifice so that we no longer needed to go to the altar of burnt offering. We no longer needed to go to the tabernacle. We no longer needed that. We have Jesus to go to. Interesting thing, though, and I, I so appreciate this about the scriptures as we talk about like what the connection was, is that the people that understood the tabernacle the most were the ones that wanted Jesus dead the most. It's like they couldn't see it. So, so we see that in the book of Acts, chapter 3, um, verse 9 through 12, as I flip over to that. We, we see this picture, it, it, sorry, verse chapter 3, 12 through 19. We see this picture, Peter saw this opportunity and addressed the crowd, people of Israel. So he's talking, like he's talking to the people whose ancestors knew all about the tabernacle. Okay, and he's in the temple when he's talking to them. He said, what is so surprising about this? And, and why stare at us, though we have made this man walk by our power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses to that fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before Faith in Jesus' name was, has healed him before your very eyes. Verse 17, friends, I realize that what you are and your leaders did to Jesus, you did in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, 
that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. He says, friends, love that. He's like, guys, everybody, everybody in this place, you need to know that what you did, you probably didn't know what you were doing. You killed the author of life. You, you, you put the Lamb of God on the cross. You, you, you brought forth everything that was foretold in Old Testament. You made all of these things happen because you thought you were doing the right thing, but what you were doing was killing Jesus. Do, do we have in this moment, do we have in this time in our lives right now, are we in this place where, where we think about the idea of sacrifice, we think about the idea of offering, we think about the idea of an altar, and then we connect that with Jesus and what Peter says in this place where Peter said to these people, you need to repent and wipe away your sins so that they may be clean. What, is, what does repentance look like to you? Like if I would just ask that as a high school student in 2021, like what does this idea of repentance look like? I think so often what it looks like is that we get caught by doing something from our mom or our dad and we say, hey mom, dad, I'm sorry, I did this, I apologize. And then like we move on. Or is it something else that we've done to a friend where we have to text a friend and just be like, hey man, I'm really sorry I did this. I shouldn't have been talking like that. I shouldn't have been doing this. That wasn't okay. Like, are, are those like little moments of repentance that you see like in your culture that you can be like, okay, I understand that. But what does it look like to repent in front of God? Like what, what does it look like for you to say to, to the creator of all things, the God almighty, that everything that you know, that, that I am so sorry for what I've done. Do, do we do that? Like, is that something that we still do today, or is it something that's just brushed over? It's like, well, I'm going to church. I'm good. Like, whatever this looks like, maybe I'll repent if we go to, go to move. Oh, wait, we're not going to move this year? I guess that means I won't be able to repent of my sins properly. Some of y'all have thought that, maybe. Like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to actually get closer to Jesus this year because we're not going to Holland, Michigan, let alone, like, I won't be able to go to Lamangelo's. Uh, so repent and Lamangelo's is kind of connecting. No, so, so what does it look like for us to, to really like repent to God? I love that it's described in Exodus 29, 18 when it's talking about the sacrifice. And it says, then burn the entire animal at the altar. You, think about that. You, you bring a sacrifice, you bring an offering And the instructors and the instructions to the people on the altar is to make sure the entire animal is burned. All gone. All gone. Everything about that offering, everything about that sacrifice is gone. The entire offering needs to burn up. Nothing left on the altar. Interesting detail, but it hits home with me. Because so often I come to God and I repent of my sin and I repent of my stuff, but then there's still remnants of that that's in my life and in my soul. So, so I'll say, God, I'm, I'm so sorry for this sin. Please forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me. Take my offering. Please take this away from me. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking I'm still going to keep hold of a little bit of it. But God says to these people, that are at the altar of burnt offering, all of it, nothing, no more, because I don't want any of that still remaining in the souls of my people. So often, students, we, 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 can, we can keep some of that darkness in our soul. 
some of that sin, some of that, some of that little thing where we think that we, we come to God with repentance, but actually we're not actually coming full on with repentance. We're just coming with a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And I think that's the thing, like, like when we look at what we're doing and, and how we're going about, like everything that we do, so often we can look back on our lives and be like, yeah, I repented there, but, but, but I went right back to my sin there. Or, or I, I moved away from my sin here, but I went right back to it here. And, and it's because when we repent, when we bring it to God, we don't bring it all. And then we also think that this repentance moment that we have is just a one-time thing. Or it's like, all right, well, I, no more porn. I'm done. Here you go, God. Yeah, I, I'm not going to delete the apps, but um, I confessed it. There you go. Uh, no, more, no more drinking. God, I'm, 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 I'm done. Yeah, I, I still got a fifth of whiskey in the back of my car, but um, I'll, I'll pour it out when I get home. Um, no, no more weed. I'm done. Now, I still hang out with the people that, that forced me to smoke weed with them, but, but really right now, it's okay because I'm, I think I'm done. No more gossip. Wait, did you see what she did? No, 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 more, no more talking back to my parents. I promise, I swear, I swear, I swear. And instead of walking up to the most holy high God, say, burn it all. Can, can, can you just burn it all, God? Can you just take all of my offering today and just burn it all? Please, just take it all. And then from there, think about your repentance, not as a one moment, one time. Um, I shake up the Pepsi bottle and I open it up and it just goes everywhere and then I move on. But you think about the fact that how can I live in repentance every day? Students, what would it look like if we lived in repentance every day? Think about the passage in, in Romans 12, 1, where it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find accessible, acceptable. This is true, the way to worship him. To, to offer yourselves every day as saying, God, every day is a day of repentance. Every day is a day where I seek to follow you and make life different because I know that my sins are greater than just one moment of I'm sorry. Offering our lives as a living sacrifice to God every day, knowing that repentance is messy, knowing it's not clean, knowing that there'll be issues, knowing that there'll be stuff, knowing that spiritual formation is a process, knowing that growth and following of Jesus is something that develops. I promise you right now, I am a different follower of Jesus than I was five years ago because the process of following Jesus is just that. It's a process. And I have to repent every single day of the stuff that I repented of every single day. <laughs> Every day is a process. But in order to find freedom, you have to have a process of following and repenting. The altar of burnt offering was important because it gave people a place to come and make things right between themselves and God. But it once again was a picture of something else that was coming, something else that was coming. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold. Every page whispers his name, Jesus. Everything about Jesus is throughout the scriptures. If you get Jesus, 
The altar of burnt offering makes sense. Jesus giving his life was needed, but now it's up for us to have a response. So, so the question just to think about this week, guys, is, is how you leave here. Will, will you move towards repentance every day? Like, will you move towards repentance every day? Will you think about the fact, God, will you just burn this sin that's just destroying my soul? Will you just, will you just take it? I just, I just give it to you. Will you burn this where there's nothing left? And every day we're living sacrifices to the Lord. Every day we're moving forward towards Jesus, knowing that this is a process, knowing that this is following Jesus every day of our lives, moving towards Jesus every day through repentance. Can we do that, students, where it's not, it's not something that just happens, but it is a life lived of sacrifice and of repentance. As we see Jesus continually moving in our lives, God being with us, every day. Let me pray for you. Um, God, thank you. Uh, personally, I just, I thank you that you, um, you saved me, you rescued me, but God, if it was just about that single moment and, and I didn't move forward and continue repentance, um, I need you. I need you, Jesus. We need you. So God, help us this week to, to think through and identify what are the things about our lives that we need to repent? What are the things that we need to, to take to you and have you just burn up? All of it. There's nothing left. God, work in our lives. Change us. Shape us. And help us be followers of you through our repentance process. Amen. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the message, we'd love it if you would join us on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. for our Eastview Students High School service. We also want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast and share it to your social media accounts. To stay up to date, check us out on Instagram at EastviewHSM and check out our Eastview Students YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.